0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast presented by First Federal. It's Friday, September 30th, and I'm Blair Kirkoff. We're talking Sporting KC and the Kansas City Current on today's show with the star soccer writer Daniel Sperry. For only the second time since 2011, Sporting won't reach the MLS playoffs. The rough start to the season left them in too big of a hole to climb, but they're playing well down the stretch. We talk about what went wrong early and what's going right lately for Coach Peter Vermees' club. After a break, the discussion shifts to the current, and what a season they're having. They've already clinched a spot in the NWSL playoffs, and now it's a matter of seeding. A year after finishing last, the current is in the postseason. Well done. Okay, let's get started. Hey, Daniel, it's been too long. How you been doing?
1: I've been doing good, man. It's uh, it's been a busy, busy fall season too, uh, between both the current and sporting wrapping up everything this year. So, um, lots to talk about for both teams, and you know, they, they both have been very exciting uh, basically since August first.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one team is going to play longer this season than the other, and uh, it is the Kansas City Current. But we're going to start our conversation today with Sporting Kansas City, which for the second time since 2011, will not be in the playoffs, the MLS playoffs. And um, Daniel, as we look back on how the season unfolded, uh, I, I don't know if you could have predicted it, but, you know, after the first I don't know. Was it 15 or 16 games when Sporting only won a couple of them? That's when yeah. you knew that it was going to be a a really tough climb at that point. And of course, they have fallen short of the playoffs. But the the, the bad start is what did it for them, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think talking with Roger Espinoza yesterday, um, or Tuesday depending on what day we're recording, <laughs> if I can get my dates to you. Um no, talking with Roger Espinoza on Tuesday, he talked about that as, you know, you if you don't pick up your points early, you get punished. Um there's a lot, and even during the stretch, like I think they're unbeaten uh in in six or seven games here. Um there's points that they've dropped there that they could still be firmly in the playoff. Uh, race if they don't lose a two goal lead on the road in Austin and they, uh, you know, they don't, they maybe don't give up that late penalty kick to the LA Galaxy. Um, you know, I think those are, that's four points that would put them at 43, which is just two points behind the playoff line with two to go. I mean, even, even with how bad their start was, they've been so good now that. They're really getting punished for their start, and you know there are there are games that you go back and look at that against teams that are now below them in the standings. And like you know, there's a road game that I was at in Chicago that was uh, a pretty dismal performance. But there were you know they made a few errors that led to the goals against them. They probably could have gotten out there with a point. Um, There's a couple of home games. There's a stretch of home games in May in April where, you know, they, I think they drew three games in a row at home, um, and, you know, or lost and then drew two. And it was, uh, each game had a, had winnable moments for sporting that they didn't convert and didn't capitalize on. And, you know, those four, five, six points now that that could be added to their total in the standings. I mean, you're looking at them being above the playoff line at the moment with, with two games left, maybe even pushing for a home playoff game. so. If you if you don't take care of those uh, early those things earlier in the season, um, and get those points early in the season, then it it, it very quickly becomes uh, almost too insurmountable for you.
0: For sure, and uh, one of the reasons that they got off the slow start was injuries. And in sports, there's always any coach or manager will tell you it's a next man up mentality. But when you lose a player uh, with the uh, the ability of an Alan Polito and mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's difficult to overcome that and replace that.
1: Correct. And there's, there's goal scoring things. There's things that he does when he drops deep, I would almost argue that Gotti Kenda might've been a more important loss for them. Um, Even when you took out Kyrie Sheldon at times this year, uh, or took out uh, Willie Agata since he's been here, um, who's been scoring, when Eric Tommy's in there, it's an entirely different team. Um, And when you have a creative player that can progress the ball through the middle third of the field into the attacking third and is, really comfortable on the ball and picking up touches in the penalty area and stuff like that and getting the ball the danger zone the danger play the majority of the play with the ball much closer to goal um it does a whole lot of things in alleviating the back lines pressure um that they have things that they're dealing with are more manageable um there's less numbers coming at them uh from the middle when they're in the middle third of the field it it, it changes everything and so the fact that Gotti Kinda was, you know, at the beginning of the season, we knew there was going to be no Alan Polito, and that was okay. But we didn't know until the end of April that Gotti Kinda was going to miss the rest of the season. There had been, when the season started, you expected Gotti Kinda to come back into that midfield um, and be so crafty and so dangerous like he is, and being able to just eliminate players on, on a quick turn um, and a quick wiggle of his hips. I mean, he's, got two players behind him and he's gone bearing down on the back line. I mean, he's just an incredibly dynamic playmaker in the middle that maybe helps Kyrie Shelton score more goals and maybe helps that forward fill in um, for Alan Polito a little bit better. But, um, you know, there's there's I I don't think either of them, both of them are missed in different ways. And both of them, uh, you know, their absences are um, incredibly detrimental to what happened this season first yeah so the- well, I would I would just say I I as Polito Polito can score those goals yes but there are times where you really need the middle the middle of the field to be able to progress the ball and they just they just didn't have they didn't have someone that had that high attacking mindset like Eric Tommy or like Gotti Kinda had. And I it, it didn't develop in any of the younger players that they tried to play there. Um and so you know, that once they – obviously, you see when they get Eric Tommy and Gotta in, then all of a sudden things really start to click for him.
0: Yeah, what a difference those two have made. Um, yeah. Uh, does, how many – it's like – is it seven goals for uh, – Yeah, Willie, Willie has – Willie, has, Willie has, has, t- seven has seven and, seven and ten games. And couple,
1: yeah, seven goals, ten games total, um, seven, and he's got two assists in there. Um, he is for all of the new players who arrived – um, including Gareth Bale, including Chiellini, including you know the big two Italians that they added in uh, Toronto, and in, in Lorenzo Insigne and for, uh, Federico Bernardeschi. Um, Willy Agata is third of all the uh, of on goal contributions for all of the newcomers, and he was a very unheard of, unheralded striker that came from you know, uh, a mid-table team in the Israeli Premier League, and now all of a sudden the guy's scoring goals and Peter's comparing him to Mo Johnston, who's (laughs) a sporting legend. And uh, both of them in very different ways because of their personalities are so very different, um, have really made a deep impact on this team uh, during this stretch run, and has made them play some of the best soccer in the league uh, since they arrived.
0: Yeah, and I know um, the the transfer window is what it is. It would have been... Great to get them if they'd gotten here a little sooner,
1: you know. Correct. And I think another thing, too, that doesn't help is, you know, last year I was looking at it. The Sporting played their 30th game of the season, I believe. Um, 30th or 29th game of the season. At the, it was October 23rd, was when they last played, when they played the Sounders uh, in October last season. They still had three or four weeks of games left to go. Um, At least four more games from that point on. Um, That was a, um, that, I mean, that at this point, we're, we have two games left and we're not even in October. We're not, we're barely at October 1 yet. So even with the way the calendar shifted because of the World Cup, you know, the window stayed when it was for the transfer window for them to come in. However, there's less games on the back end of it, too, and more games got played. So even then with it taking a couple of weeks, you know, they probably last year, they probably would have been maybe 14, 15, 16 games into the season um, versus this year where they were already 20 games, uh, 21 games deep by the time those two made um, made an appearance. And at that point, you're, you're really, really lost in trying to get points um, that quickly uh, and that many points to get you back up the table.
0: Yeah, so a little unlucky from the calendar sta- from this calendar standpoint this year. Um, yep. Hey, the other day or uh, recently, Sporting handed out some hardware, identified some uh, some yeah. honorees for the year. Johnny Russell was named uh, team MVP, and I saw where Andrew Fontas was the defensive player of the year. Um, Daniel Shallowy, offensive player of the year. Did did Sporting get those right? Uh, did the, did the right guys win the awards?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I. I, you know, Johnny is the the heartbeat and the soul of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, He does so much in terms of um, leadership on the field. He does uh, a lot of incredible defensive work. Um, There are times where him just tracking back and making a tackle kind of changes the men test snaps a team out of a, out of a rut where they're you know not really pressing as hard as they should or something like that so i, I i'd get them doing that honestly they could have gone back and forth between he and Shallowey. i think shall has more total goal contributions this year um as well and i think it was a good way to make sure that all the players are honored for what they've done um you know russell has his goals daniel has his goals as well and uh sharing the newcomer award for willie and uh well got Eric Tommy was perfect because um I think in the way those two go simultaneously um they they should have done that I I know there's a lot of there's some dispute about uh the goal of the year certain folks think um Eric Tommy's goal against the LA Galaxy where he took the ball down on his chest and turned on a half volley and ripped it um was a more incredible more difficult goal I will take Roger um pressing uh you know for his goal of the year uh in montreal where he he pressed them really really hard and ripped a shot um from about 40 yards out that just made it over the top of the goalkeeper um so yeah he we we had to, we had a fun conversation with him about that because of course you know low uh labanta his wife scored an absolute beautiful goal this weekend um and so we were asking who who, who he thought was better and he uh, the, the answers between the two of them were quite good. So, um, but, uh, you know, Lowe's been known for her celebrations and Roger said, "No, I'm not going to, I'm going to stick to what I do. (laughs) I'll stick to what I do best. But, um, yeah, Roger definitely deserved goal of the year, uh, for that one too. So I think they really did get all of the awards right. And I'm glad that, um, a guy like Kyrie Shelton, uh, was honored for his humanitarian work as well. Um, when he returned the conversation um with him was uh, when he returned in 20 for the 2020 season because he was with Sporting in 2018 went to Germany in 2019 didn't really fit in with the team um as they had moved and got promoted to the Bundesliga and wasn't getting a ton of time so he came back to Sporting in 2020 uh yeah ahead of 2020 season the conversation for him was he was just so excited to get back um to uh his uh big buddies program and some of the some of the uh you know philanthropic work that he's been doing outside of it um he became really involved in the black players for change um uh organization uh in mls um and uh you know he's a i there Fans can have their thoughts about everything that goes on on the field, but um, he's a really high-quality person as well, and uh, someone who really invests his time into the community and into people. Um, and so, I think it, it's good that he got uh, honored for that as well, and alongside Johnny, who does the same. Um, just always in the community, always doing uh, fantastic things. So, in general, you know, all the awards, I I think they got most of those things right.
0: Very good. I agree with you about the Goal of the Year. I thought that was. What I loved about Espinoza's goal of the year is it—it it took a couple of seconds for the ball to get to the goal. It was so yeah. the, the distance was so much. It, it was so enjoyable just to watch the goal. I think Nate Ukadi called it uh, like a chip, you know, but it was yeah. it was more than that. It it was a yeah, chip yeah. to travel forty yards.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a. Uh, I maybe I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a good a, a golf shot equivalent. More It would be more like he punched it right. Like he just kind of got enough behind it. It stayed didn't get really high right. Stayed, but it man it it snuck right into that corner. It was perfectly. Yeah, perfectly he wasn't
0: he, he wasn't just off the green. Is uh, a chip yeah, yeah, shot yeah, yeah. would be in golf. He, he was out, he was out in the fairway.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> okay, hey, just let's do this. A quick thought on what off season priorities should be in a general way, because this is a discussion I want to have with you on, a, on another show uh, when, when the season ends, but what just generally speaking, what should sporting's priorities be heading into
1: 2023? I, I tend to think more towards their back line um, there. They've created a significant amount of depth uh, with their attack. Now with Agata and Tommy in there and with uh, Gaudi and Polito, um you know hopefully being back uh full swing and ready to go there's no indications that they won't be um but you know you, you still never know with a season away and the injuries like that but they've created so much depth up front and retaining Daniel Shallowy was uh, was going to be a big priority I thought um the fact that that's already done we're we not have to worry about that and talk about that I mean Daniel Shallowy will play for supporting next season that's a that's a huge thing for them as well um so i i think they've got enough depth there the two areas that i'm looking at you know both uh izzy matt marine and andrea Fontes' contracts are up this year both of them are the same amount they're a little over a million which is a lot they're over the designated player threshold which means there's a lot of targeted allocation money in the way the league sets things up. There's a lot of money being invested into those two roster spots. And I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. Do they continue to do that with both of them? Do they try and bring them back at lower numbers? That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And then recently, you know, before if you'd asked me if there was one more thing that they should have added in the summer, I thought maybe they could have gone out and got a number six. However, uh, which is a defensive midfielder in the way Peter's system is, they have the single defensive midfielder single pivot that sits in front of the two center backs um, in that in that hole. And uh, Remy Walter has kind of made that his own. And uh, Peter has always called him a number eight that can play the six. Um, and I think Remy has really turned into a true um, defensive midfielder um, that can handle that single pivot role. Um, a, you know, listeners are kind of have something coming on that a little bit later this week too. But um if if for me is can view or if for me is views Walter as a long-term solution, number one solution to the, the number six, then I think that changes how that role, um, that that need is is filled. I think they probably should look at another outside back too. Um, but really center back, outside back, number six, I think those are the key areas for them. Uh, because if they You know, depending on what happens, whether Roger wants to keep playing or not, they have Felipe Hernandez who can play as an eight. They can probably play Tommy and Gotti together in the midfield and probably uh, against certain opponents as well. So um, I'm sure they'll make another addition to the midfield. I'll just be curious to see um, where it is, because I think that will end up kind of indicating where Peter actually believes Remy Walter is on the depth chart at that number six. Um, position because he really has uh, come along um, with that over the stretch. And he's played every single game this year. Um, He's played every single game since uh, Tommy and Agata arrived as the six and uh, he has not let go of that, uh, of that spot um, at all.
0: Okay. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got to talk about the Kansas city current, the playoff bound Kansas city current. We will be right back. Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Hey, we're back on the SportsBeat KC podcast talking soccer with Daniel Sperry, who covers soccer for the Kansas City Star, both sporting Kansas City and the Kansas City Current. Uh, we just finished talking about scoring KC. Their season's going to end when the regular season's over, but the Kansas City Current is continuing on into the postseason and it's an amazing story, Daniel, isn't it? The f- first year organization that uh, that finished last in the standing a year ago and now they have an opportunity, well, they're in the playoff, they're in the playoffs and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of where they're going to be seated. There are all kinds of scenarios out there for them, but let's keep it simple. If the current wins at Louisville on Saturday, what are the seeding possibilities?
1: Yeah, so if they if they win on Saturday, they're guaranteed third place. Um, no,
0: no worse than third.
1: No worse than third. It's not possible. Um, they would, regardless of what happens with San Diego, everyone below them on uh, is on is a point or so below them. Um, we have an article out of it uh out on it. Um, if you want to check it out, it's kind of broken down most of those um scenarios. Uh so if they win, they finish third regardless. Um to finish second, they need a Portland uh Thorns loss who are playing uh Gotham, who have lost, I think now 13 or 14 games in a row. Um, I mean it's it's a brutal stretch for gotham they're coming up against the buzzsaw that is the portland thorns right now um and so i i have a very hard time seeing foreseeing portland thorns lost um but um if that happens um that opens the door um with the current win for them to finish in second or potentially first um so to finish second they need a loss from one of portland or ol rain OL rain can draw and the current can win and that can also um, allow them to leapfrog. So um, to finish second, they need one of, they need a loss from either team or a draw from the rain. Um, and to finish first, they need both teams to not win. Um, if the if Portland draws, that creates a problem because there's a 25 goal difference in goal differential between the Thorns and the Current. So that would mean that the Current would need to beat Racing Louisville by 25 because in the event of a draw, um, Portland's uh goal differential is not getting cut into it'll stay at what it is. So, uh unless the current have a 25 to nothing uh result uh, up their sleeve, I think it's really it would be really hard I would be very shocked to see them end up in first truly, but um the 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 an opportunity to win the NWSL shield is still out there and until the games are played, um you know, that that opportunity still exists. So, we'll see what happens there, but most likely um, scenario, I could see them as maybe jumping into second or um standing pat at third, which um is still an incredible spot to be in, uh guarantees to a home game and probably will keep you away from going to Portland um for a semifinal as well.
0: Right. So the value for finishing first or second, as you said, uh is a first is a first round buy, but third or fourth means you get a home game in the semifinals, and that's uh that's absolutely what you what you want.
1: Yes. Third or fourth as a home game in the quarterfinals. Quarter, and quarterfinals. Yep. Semif- so, yeah. yeah. And the Thanks. semifinal the semifinal host goes to seed one and seed two. Um, so that, that that's the advantage there is you play one game and you're in the championship game, uh, if, at, at home uh to win. You get one game to win at home and you're in the championship game if you end up in those top two seats, which would be um incredible uh and very ideal for the current. Um, it's just gonna be a little difficult. Uh they're gonna need uh, you know some teams who are towards the bottom of the table to step up uh, uh, to help them out on Saturday,
0: right? And if they get that twenty-five nothing victory uh, at uh, yes at Louisville, could, hey, look, it could be twenty-six to one too, right? Uh, it's, it's just as long as it's by twenty-five.
1: Yep, concede five, <laughs> score thirty, go for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what um, th- that speaks to also what a. Great chemistry team, at least in my opinion, uh, that this the current is that basically they are even on goal differential this year and yet stand, I think, 10, 5 and 6, you know, overall with an overall record, which means they they win all the close games. They Mm -hmm. they win a lot of one goal games. and, And as we talk, as with sporting, as we talked about earlier uh, the current got off to a slow start, right? They were, uh, they didn't, they were winless in their first five with just one draw, and then mm-hmm. turned it around.
1: Yeah, and you know some of that was a little bit of schedule congestion. Some of it, uh, you know, the Challenge Cup created a little bit of that, um, where they were through May. Um, I think the current were playing nearly every other every other point of the week. Um, they'd have a midweek and a Saturday, a midweek and a Saturday. Um, and when most of those are on the road, that's a lot of heavy travel um, for them. Uh, they don't really they don't come back when they have back to back road games like that. So they just go on to the next city. Um, and so they're away for a while. They were beat up with covid and injuries. I mean, they they really had gotten put through the ringer. So then, you know, they it, you know, it's funny. We talked about their opponent Louisville this weekend. They played each other on May 30th. Um, which is when uh you, you were out there with us for that very gritty uh one-nothing win against Louisville. From that day forward, that's when the current started their 13-game unbeaten streak. At that same day, that started a 13-game non-winning streak for winless streak for Louisville, um, who did not win again until the current lost <laughs> to end their 13-game unbeaten streak. It was a pretty incredible stretch there. But yeah, that that tough start. Um Uh, Kind of, you know, maybe if they pick up a couple of different points, uh, a penalty call in a couple of games uh, correctly goes uh, the other way. Um, There's a few dubious calls that kind of nicked them, uh, nicked points away, away from them. They had a couple of one goal losses in Seattle and Angel City that were, you know, they with out with multiple players out with COVID, um, they had had it zero, zero late in the game and, you know, a late, uh, own goal or a late, um, headed goal after their, what, something 40th cross that the oil rain and put in on them finally, <laughs> you know, broke the dam. Um, so, you know, th- those are situations where, yes, that was a, a really frustrating time for them, but, you know, I think, um, for them to come out of it on the other side and not you know, plummet as we've seen other teams in the league do and go on those massive um, uh, winless streaks or even losing streaks. If you're um, Gotham was just a a testament to, as you said, the chemistry and the, I think the culture that Matt Potter's built here pretty quickly of um, we're just on to the next thing. We're not going to let things pile up and, you know, there's no excuses for what we're going through. We try and get through it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and we try the next time uh, to try to win the next time that it comes up. And you know, things really started clicking. And you know, even this weekend, they finally got their first multi-goal win. In that 3-0 victory over Washington, it probably could have been five or six. Um, uh, There was a couple goals that were correctly called offside, and there was a couple chances that they had um, that they probably could have done a better job finishing. And, I mean, it really could have been uh, quite the blowout for them uh, on Sunday. So um, this team's really kind of come around, and, man, they're, they're, they're incredibly fun to watch, too, with all their celebrations, all the everything but you know you go back I was talking with some of them about going back to that start um, that game against Louisville was really um, a start uh, a reminder that okay we can do this we can get back we can win it wasn't pretty um, we played you know they would agree that it was not their best game and they didn't play very well but they still got the result and it was a belief that they could figure out a way to win um, and it has spurred them on to get results when they aren't playing very well and when they are playing very well too
0: you mentioned Coach Matt Potter, and doesn't seem like there's an interview that I hear or have with with him without his mentioning culture and the culture of this team. Um, look, I'm, I'm I don't know if you have to win to develop culture, or the culture develops the you know produces the winning. I don't know what comes first, but whatever it is, the current seem to have it right, um, and the, the in in his role in developing it uh, has to be acknowledged as well.
1: Correct. And I'm, you know, I I would think that it would be, um, from most people I've talked to, he's definitely at the forefront, if not the lead candidate to win the coach of the year job, just for the the turnaround and how impressive everything's been. But I mean, it really is all about, um, creating a belief too, because these are, these, these were good, good players. A lot of these players were on this roster last year too. Um, you have a player like Haley Mace, who's turned into a, a US women's national team caliber uh defender. Um and w- wing back, that's that's something. Uh Cece Kaiser came here and had never scored more than like three or four goals in her career, and she scored seven since she's been traded in the middle of June. Um, you know, I think those are those are things that are just um when you get people in the right places, and and his whole thing has been to make sure that. People are playing in places that are fit their strong suit. We're going to, he's going to tailor his system to the players that he has and the the assets that they have as players on the field, and uh, it's created a culture of the players feel like they're taken care of as people, they're taken care of as um, you know players and pros, and that you know their coach has kind of got their back. But he's um, also created a culture that everybody believes in everything that they're doing um wholeheartedly and you know I don't, I don't and and as i wrote an article about that a couple of weeks ago i i think that was entirely evident in every single conversation i had with them was that man i mean there really is a true belief um in everyone's abilities and and in each other and in in the plan and in the process going forward and I, when you have total buy-in like that usually a, a plan from a professional coach as long as it's you know coherent enough gets through and it's very it's be- definitely been the case for them
0: okay we're recording this on on thursday and a week from today and to be a big event the the dedication or the groundbreaking for the yeah. current new stadium that's going to be fun and I uh, hope to see you out there daniel and i really yes. appreciate um, you're spending time with us to talk Kansas City Current and Sporting Kansas City. Uh, it's it's been a it's absolutely been a fun season. Need to see Sporting Kansas City play well here at the end of the at the end of the year and and, and just uh, fantastic that the current is having the season uh, that it is having. So, all right, Daniel, let's do it again soon. Thanks a
1: lot. Yes, we'll do. Thanks. We will definitely see you out there at the groundbreaking.
0: That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production team of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen, and to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Daniel Sperry for sharing his soccer insights. Morning Sports Edition is your one-stop shopping in a sports page. It's packed with local and national stories. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.